Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Tuesday, September 7th. U.S. equity futures are flat, so you have the S&P futures are unchanged. Dow futures are also unchanged. The Nasdaq futures are doing a tiny bit better, up 10 points. That is about six basis points. The major European indices are trading off about 25 basis points this morning. They did rally yesterday, so they're still up about 50 to 80 basis points uh, week to date. Most of the major subgroups are seeing some mild selling pressure in Europe this morning. Um, luxury stocks, however, so LVMH, carrying, et cetera, are rallying on reports that Hong Kong will begin lifting some of the COVID restrictions on travelers coming from mainland China. Um, obviously, that could bolster um, luxury goods sales. So luxury stocks are higher on back of that news. In Asia, most of the major industries traded up. Japan, Hong Kong, mainland China, et cetera. All in the green, Taiwan and Korea both ended in the red. Um, so I'm going to run through a lot of information. Obviously, markets were off in the U.S. yesterday, um, but there still was a ton of news out for investors to digest. I have everything compiled in the piece this morning by topic, by day. Um, so come check it out. We will be lifting our paywall um, until noon today so everyone can come to the website and see everything for free. Um, I certainly encourage everyone to do so. Like I said, I think we do... Um, the best job of compiling what's happening in the markets in a very quick, succinct way for investors to digest. So please come check it out. Um, that being said, running through some of the major topics and themes this morning. So in the U.S., obviously, we had the poor jobs report on Friday. Um, that was just the latest data point um, in a long string of numbers suggesting that there was a slowdown in growth in August, um, largely stemming from the Delta variant. Um, you know, I think if you look at the COVID statistics, there are indications that transmissions and hospitalizations have peaked in the U.S. Certainly, certain states are still suffering um, from very limited hospital capacity. But you know, I think you it is safe to say that the the numbers have peaked, which should presumably lift an overhang on growth going forward. Um, you know, I think the knee jerk reaction was this is you know the the poor jobs report was bullish for growth, and that you are going to see now the Fed say more accommodative for longer. Um, I don't really agree with that. I do think that the Fed is still very interested in tapering the 120 billion dollar per month pace of quantitative easing. Um, I think they'd much rather just get that initial taper out of the way, and then they can manage the pace of tapering if they need to, so they can start very slowly. Um, and then and then proceed at a very slow pace of tapering um, if growth were to stay slow for longer. I really don't think they want to keep the pace unchanged into next year. So I still think you're going to get a taper um, beginning in December. I had initially thought the pace would be about $15 billion per month, which is consistent with prior taperings in Europe's past. Um, you know, the Fed could opt for something slower, 10 billion, et cetera, um, which would keep the buying in place for longer than anticipated. And that's kind of what Australia did overnight. So Australia, the RBA, uh, moved forward with their tapering plans despite the spike in cases in Australia, but they did extend the quantitative easing um, into at least mid-February of next year. Um, so the Fed may decide to take a similar tact, which again would start tapering, but proceed at a slower pace. So um, no, the next meeting is not until for a couple more weeks, so September 22nd. Um, you know, I, I suspect you're going to see Fed officials kind of keep markets on the path to expect tapering all the while acknowledging the risk from COVID, et cetera. Um, and so the next big Fed speaker will probably be Williams. So New York Fed President Williams speaks tomorrow at around one o'clock. Um, I think his remarks would be very important just regards to kind of helping to steer or set expectations about how the Fed is thinking about 
um, policy after that poor jobs report. Um, so that's the Fed with regards to, um, you know, as far as how I'm viewing the world after Friday's jobs report, Washington and the whole fiscal debate um, is really going to get a, a very loud over the coming weeks and months. Um, you know, I've been talking about for a while, the various different initiatives that um, Democrats in the House and the Senate are going to try to push to Biden's desk um, really by the end of this month including the massive reconciliation bill, which still is somewhat undefined. So you're going to see now um, in the coming weeks, Democrats in the House and the Senate fill in the details about how they plan on raising tax revenue and then spending that tax revenue, um, that $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. I think a lot of the big um, fiscal ideas from Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, and Sanders um, are not going to become reality especially the more outlandish ones. So you're going to see a lot of headlines crossing the tape in the com- again over, over the course of September about various different tax hike initiatives being planned. Um, I think most of them are not, again, are, are going to fall by the wayside. However, I think people should assume there will be something that happens on the tax front. Um, the Journal had an article over the weekend just saying how there may be, um, the math could work for a corporate tax hike probably up to around 24, 25% versus 21 right now. Biden's original ask was 28 um, but it wouldn't be shocking to see something around 24, 25. So investors should kind of just mentally pencil that in as they consider markets at these levels that a lot of the fiscal stuff, again, is not really going to become reality, but um, a higher corporate rate is possible. And then on the spending front, you know, there is that bipartisan spending bill, the infrastructure spending bill, that's about $550 billion of incremental spending beyond what the budget already called for. And that's spread out over a number of years. That is likely to become reality, um, but there is still going to be a very large fiscal cliff um, because, regardless, you know, even if Biden were to get everything he's asking for, which there's no no chance he will, the amount of fiscal stimulus is still going to drop precipitously from what was pumped into the economy last year and earlier this year. So that fiscal cliff is also something to keep in mind. Um, so that's the Washington backdrop in China. The PMIs for August were soft, but they actually had trade numbers this morning. So import exports were actually very strong. So the economic backdrop in China may not be as soft as anticipated. And keep in mind too, just like in the US, China had a big kind of COVID, COVID-driven slowdown um, in July and August. So, and that country is largely um, you know, clamped down on the spread of infections, which means you should start to see some overhangs lift on growth. It still looks like the government is really not all that interested in in, in unleashing kind of a massive um, a massive wave of stimulus. You had the PBOC last week warn market that there will not be a sharp shift in policy. I think that's going to kind of continue to be the case. You may see another triple R cut, but that's really more of a liquidity lever, not a policy rate lever. Um, encouragingly, yesterday, Monday, you had um, senior Chinese officials come out and make conciliatory remarks, comforting remarks to the business community. Um, aiming to kind of, I think, mollify some uh, frayed nerves after the uh, regulatory onslaught that you've seen over the last several weeks and months. So, um, you know, I think that was certainly a mild shift in tone in terms of how the government is communicating to businesses. Certainly, that's very encouraging. You have seen Chinese tech stocks in particular, which have been hit hardest by regulatory anxiety. Those names have been rallying very strongly now, um, quietly for at least a couple of, at least the last week plus. Um, and that kind of continued in Hong Kong overnight. So definitely, um, that's something to keep an eye on. Those stocks certainly are trading much better. 
than they had been. Japan, Japanese sentiment has um, improved meaningfully since you had the political shift out of the country last week where um, the prime minister said he will not be running for re-election um, or would not be running for um, in the upcoming race to head the party, which would uh, essentially mean he's resigning as prime minister. That has helped improve sentiment enormously around Japan. Japan Japanese stocks have been trading very well. Um, on a kind of separate note, SoftBank spiked about 10% today after announcing a share swap deal with Timus and Deutsche Telekom. Um, so that's kind of what's occurring in China. That uh, we just went through what's happening in, um, I'm sorry, that's what's happening in Japan. Already went through what's happening in China. Um, and that's a lot of the major themes and trends as far as kind of big news. Like I said, there's a lot more for um, investors to digest. So check out the piece this morning. The paywall is down. Um, looking out over the course of this week, I think the big macro events are going to be the remarks from, from Williams. So New York Fed President Williams on Wednesday, the ECB on Thursday. You have a lot of sell-side conferences. So you're going to see a lot of companies provide updates to investors. I don't. I think the messaging from management teams will sound a lot better than some of the economic data has suggested. I think a lot of the management teams will kind of signal um, relatively status quo as far as how they are tracking for Q3. Um, a lot of them will probably acknowledge headwinds from the Delta variant, but if you kind of look at the details of when companies reported back in June, the Q2 numbers were, um, sorry, reported back in July. The Q2 numbers were spectacular and a lot of companies raised guidance. But if you kind of look at the guidance, most of it was just incorporating the upside from Q2, meaning that the second half of the year outlook um, didn't shift up materially. So the bar isn't necessarily as high as it may seem just given the Q2 outperformance. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of companies, um, you know, mark down expectations commensurate with the downtick in economic data. Um, so those are going to be the major events for this week. Um, you know, I have more extensive calendars in the piece, so check that out. And that is everything for today, um, Tuesday, September 7th. Thank you for listening.